Good evening and welcome back to another episode of the brand new football podcast that sums it all up. Hope you're all well. November has arrived. How did that happen? I'm not too sure. Lockdowns are looming. Winter is well and truly upon us. It's most definitely time to hunker down, get cosy and listen to my guests and I thrash out this weekend's Football League proceedings. So, what do we have on today's show? An absolute treat, that's what. A narrative dominated by Arsenal's 1-0 victory over Manchester United at Old Trafford. Plus some words on the weekend's other Premier League results, as well as casting our eye over the European competitions now that the fixtures are coming thick and fast. If you missed today's broadcast, can't imagine why in the world you do that. All the episodes of That Sums It All Up, as well as Fresh Air's very own sports hub, on which I blab about the week's footballing stories, are available on my Mixcloud or on Fresh Air Radio's website. If you scroll down the list of shows, mine is located towards the bottom. There you'll find each week's episode uploaded. Last week, Johnny Rosen and I, he was back in the studio to help me dissect Arsenal's 1-0 home loss to Leicester City. Very impressive last night, actually, but we'll get on to that in uh, their 4-1 victory over Leeds United. If you are listening, don't hesitate to message in. You can find me on Twitter at AlfieSteiner1. I'm trying to start using the platform more for podcast-related matters and for not just obsessive updates on all things football related. Questions, comments, opinions and anything else are more than welcome. Right, on to today's fun. It is Tuesday. The dust has settled somewhat over Arsenal's relatively historic victory away from home against one of the so-called Big Six. 29 attempts without a win. 14 years without a victory at Old Trafford in the league. Only the second clean sheet away from home against one of the Big Six in almost five years. Getting carried away slightly. Today, we will, of course, be shedding some lovely light on Arsenal's victory, analysing the stars of the show, the hugely encouraging performance and the positive permutations for Mikel Arteta and his players. But to balance it out and to be incredibly inclusive and less Arsenal-centric, we have our very own live-in Manchester United fan joining me today. He's going to give a go at dissecting United's pretty underwhelming performance and what it means moving forward for Mr Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. And breathe. So, without further ado, I can now welcome my guest. Welcome onto the podcast, Mr. Alfie Young. How are we today? Very good. Thank you very much for having me on. Excellent, excellent. Well, you've appeared on, not on this football podcast, because this is nice and new, but you appeared last year on uh, on a radio show. So, you know how this, you know how this goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to talking to the invisible audience with you. Absolutely. No, no nerves, I'd hope. No, no uh, sort of heart-wrenching, <laughs> gut-wrenching anxiety creeping up on you just now. Oh, none more than to be expected. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we, we have the pleasure of living together. We watch a lot of football together. Um, so we're quite used to chucking our opinions into the room, seeing what's going on. So let's get straight into it, to be honest. What stood out for you uh, this weekend? Other than, actually, no, let's not get straight into it. Let's start with the general footballing discussion. Uh, what stood out for you this weekend, if anything, other than Manchester United Arsenal? Because... As, as tends to be the case with these weekends and this week, the, the way that the football calendar goes at the moment, there's just so much football on, which is great, to be honest. But anything stand out for you? There is, there is just just so many games to watch. And uh, yeah, there are a few good so ones this like weekend. Really. The girls in the flat don't really like it, do they? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really bode well for their their enjoyment of the living room. But <laughs> I thought the, the league sort of returned to normal a bit this weekend. Uh, we had some sort of expected victories from the bigger sides, more clean sheets, probably slightly fewer goals than expected. Absolutely. Southampton, Southampton still couldn't help but 
take Villa to a seven goal thriller. <laughs> um, you know, someone had to do it. But uh, in general, it was it was a, a slightly more normal weekend than before, I thought. Definitely. I think yeah, you raise a good point there. The last couple of weeks have, I mean, a bar the, the occasional result, because I think there's inevitably going to be quite a few of those uh, as the season progresses. I think there's definitely been more of a return to what we expect. Um, having said that, not sure we necessarily, I mean, if you were a smart guy, you'd probably expect Arsenal to do a job over United. But in general, <laughs> given what I've just, all the stats that I just whacked in about all our terrible record away from home and at Old Trafford. So perhaps that wasn't the most expected result. I remember when we were discussing the game prior to kickoff or during the week, I sort of floated, floated the question, what do you reckon the, the score is going to be? And I said it was going to be quite. Going to expose me here, are you? And uh, you, I didn't think you were quite convinced that it was going to be a what? I could honestly see just a three-one or a three-nil. I think that's what your words were. So just <laughs> yes, uh, expose, yes. you, expose you there. <laughs> Look, I can definitely see why you might have thought that, and not in a patronising way, because we're going to get onto that. Because I think having there's definitely some context to to delve deep into here, because I think that definitely informs the way the result went more than anything. So. Let's get straight into the nitty-gritty. God, I've been waiting to get into this. So, a bit of context. <laughs> Arsenal had lost their last two Premier League games. So, 1-0 to Manchester City, away from home. 1-0 to Leicester City, at home. United yep. had beaten Newcastle, 4-1. And I recall correctly in that performance... You, you turned it on towards the end, but uh, a bit slow. The, the scoreline, the scoreline flatters us in that performance. Uh, we probably deserved the win, but yeah, it was a bit of a scrappy one in the end, not a not a convincing one. Yeah, and then you had your nil-nil draw to Chelsea, which can't quite recall. I think you looked all right to be honest, but then you you sort of yeah you punctuated that with two very impressive Champions League victories: the two-one win over PSG, and then the emphatic five-nil. Uh, whitewashing of Leipzig at Old Trafford and Arsenal. <laughs> the equally impressive 3-0 mauling of Dundalk. No, I'm joking. But look, so you you were, you know, on paper in in better form. But I think given given the the pressure that was perhaps mounting on Arsenal, given they'd lost two pretty big games, we all Arsenal fans were were foreseeing that this was an important run of fixtures. I mean, City away, very tough, Leicester home, and then United away. You're, we, given the supposed progress we've made under Mikel Arteta, I think there was definitely an expectation of, more than anything, a couple of good results, but also some some solid performances. And I think in the end we did see that. But let's just start from the beginning. So I'm going to ask you, did, you, did anything stand out in particular um, in terms of starting 11 formations uh, on, in a Manchester United sense, especially after... You know, your 5-0 victory over Leipzig. I think the most important thing there was to note was the midfield diamond, uh, Oligara Solskjaer, retained. Um, what did you make of of the team sheet and, yeah, your initial considerations? Yeah, well, initially it sort of seemed like a <clears throat> almost almost like an easy option for Solskjaer to sort of stick with what worked in midweek. Um, you know, fielded a diamond, which we've never really done before under him, maybe once or twice before. Um, obviously won five nil, and he sort of thinks, okay, well, same again, and obviously it doesn't work. It's not broke. Don't fix it. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and um, it also makes sense given the amount of sort of 
rotation in our midfield that we've got to fit in, the, mm. the insane depth we've got there, not to mention the complete lack of natural wingers in our squad. We didn't start with a single one on the pitch, except for maybe Rashford, who was playing up top. Mm. James is our only other option, and he's, frankly... Not, not really not, doing the business for a lot of Manchester. Cut the mustard, frankly. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, so I think I think Solskjaer's hand is sometimes a little bit forced by by his uh, squad squad um, structure. Very asymmetric squad we've got at the moment. Yeah, um, which does I think limit our options in a tactical setup sometimes, and that's possibly what happened this this week, where we talk, couldn't maybe play the natural four two three one we might have wanted to or something like that. Definitely. I think, yeah, uh, it's important to, as I've mentioned before, it, you know, it does make sense to an extent. It, you, your your victory over Leipzig was so emphatic. And I know you sort of, it, it, it did get, a, in the same way against Newcastle, it really got a lot better. Not, I'm not saying you didn't play well, but towards the end of the game, Leipzig in tatters, they completely fell apart. And, and maybe that's... Uh, that's credit to Solskjaer and, and just the, the setup that he put out on the pitch. But I think listening to various other Arsenal fans discussing the upcoming fixture against United, they felt that the fact that you just had such an emphatic 5-0 victory and we also had had quite disappointing losses, having played all right and quite solidly, I think given the reputation Arteta is, is garnering of himself, in the sense that he is a tactical disciplinarian. He he will very much, he's not afraid to focus on nullifying the opponent's strengths. And look, I think in some in some in some ways, this definitely United's impressive scoreline against Leipzig last week definitely played into uh, Arsenal's hands. I think we sort of knew what to expect. We were gambling on the fact that Solskjaer was going to stick to what worked so well as well as having seen him change formation probably like three or four times in the last couple of weeks. So there's not been that consistency, but I think it was quite predictable to see what maybe United were going to do. And I think that tactical battle was was definitely won by Arteta. But we'll get we'll get more into the uh, the nooks and crannies of, of, of the tactical battle and, and what happened on the pitch. But just in a general sense, what did you make of, from a United fan perspective, what did you make of the performance? Was there anything lacking in particular and what do you want to see moving forwards, I guess, in light of that? There wasn't, wasn't enough energy. I think, as you say, we'll get into the sort of tactics of the game and uh, whether that won or lost it for us, that's sort of a separate issue. In terms of what the players gave us, we, we didn't play with a lot of energy, a lot of desire. Your, your press and the way you played out of ours was, was very, very impressive. And uh, I was very envious at the time of how, sorry, of how sorry, committed your players looked. Huh. I mean... Whether this is tactics or just player quality, I don't know. You're going to have to tell me how Arteta managed to outrun United's four in midfield with two of his own. Um, how Partey and Elneny, Partey rather, and Elneny managed to um, you know, outplay a four central midfielders that we had. That's That says a lot about uh, individual performances right mm. there. Because absolutely. They absolutely did. Uh, I think Pogba is just quickly turning back into a massive question mark. I've always been one to not sort of doubt him and sort of, you know, just give him the time, give him the space. But he's been talking about Real again recently. He's giving away another really sloppy penalty that just looks like he's not focusing on the game. Mm. Um, I think he's definitely a problem player again. Yeah, I mean, 
look, I think... I mean, we, we spoke about this after the game, the, the, the post-match analysis and just sort of the, the narrative was dominated by United's, you know, uh, lack, of, lack of energy, lack of commitment, the classic, what is going on with United, poor Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it's not good enough. And I don't think there was, there was too much of a focus on, on, on the way in which Arsenal, you know, forced their hand. Look, if Arsenal played pretty poorly on, on, uh, on Sunday, then I could absolutely see United with that formation, irrelevant of, of whether the formation was right on the day, there definitely could have been more made out of it because you had good players on the pitch. You saw that it worked against Leipzig. And so I think credit, credit to, to Arsenal. And like you say, going with a, quite a bold... I mean, there was a balance team selection from Arteta. I mean, when it came out, I mean, just you, your thoughts on the starting over, but I'll give mine on Arsenal's. Um, the fact that the guys like Lacazette, Willian, Elneny, uh, even Rob Holding, to an extent, all started, suggested to me that this is going to be quite a, a structured approach, as it always is with Arteta, to be honest. I mean, people were quite upset that Pepe didn't get a look in from the start. You know, instead of, instead of Elneny, who's you know, I mean, we'll get onto his performance, but he he's a guy who you can sort of predict what he's going to do. And Jacker and Tobias are perhaps, you know, a bit more technically adventurous. So definitely look and Willian obviously on and Lacazette starting instead of, you know, Pepe and and maybe Aubameyang through the middle. But it looked as if Arteta was gonna set up his team in such a well structured way that and and that's exactly what happened. And I think, yeah, I like the I love the performance, obviously, of, of Mohamed Elneny and, and alongside Thomas Partey. And you say, well, you know, you were playing a, a midfield diamond and Partey and, and Elneny sort of as a two, you know, dominated the midfield. I think running the show. Running the show completely. And I think a lot of that was to do with our our high press. I think, you know, we let you, as soon as United were had the ball, trying to play it out from the back. You know, I was saying it throughout the game. Lacazette, Willian, and Aubameyang were really pressing, pressing as a three, and then one of Partey or El Nenny would would make it into a sort of square press. So there'd be four people sort of pressing as a unit. And I think you know, United just couldn't get out, and obviously you had no width. Bar there was an occasional spark from Greenwood or Rashford, like you said, where they'd sort of as a wide forward break between the lines and then try and look for one another. But that midfield four was sort of bypassed. Um, we, we closed the space centrally so well and then took advantage down the wings because you didn't really have anyone there. So, yeah, I think, you know, given probably what Arteta saw in the, in the 5-0 victory for United against Leipzig, it was probably quite a brave team selection because he knew that you were going to do this again and the, the, the potential was there for United to play quite well. And you know, score quite a few goals and be dangerous, but he sort of knew exactly how to how to nullify those threats. And as an Arsenal fan, that was incredibly enjoyable because we obviously haven't been to haven't been to Old Trafford and and played like that with such a, a dominant and structured, disciplined setup for so long. But we'll get onto a bit more of Arsenal in in a couple of minutes. Um, I know you don't like this question, really, but. What 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 do you think 
the significance of this result and performances for uh, Paul Oligona Solskjaer. You know, they, they they seem to be getting ripped apart more often than not, especially by you know Roy Keane and Gary Neville. But what what, what do you make of it? Because I, I I think he's he's a bit of a scapegoat. It's slightly unfair, but that that's what comes with being the Man United manager, I suppose. That is that is he he has to be absolutely ready. He knows that as United manager, pretty much not many other clubs get talked about more especially when we lose, <clears throat> you know, um, I think I, you're right. I don't like the question. I don't like when, when in individual results are sort of uh, then extrapolated from to make big points about big overreaching points about his career in general, when it should end this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it just before this game, it was something like eight unbeaten would gone. So, yeah, you know, every other day the sort of the stat looks better or worse depending on sort of how you look at the games yes we haven't won at home in a, or we, we won against Leipzig but we've lost a lot of games at home lately mm. um, but we also hadn't we had a really good run before Arsenal games so I don't think there should be too much taken in terms of his career um, I think I think the game is more significant in that sense actually for Arsenal than United I don't think it says a lot about United in general I think a lot of things that we saw, we already sort of knew. Mm. Um, there are obviously doubts in our squad with width and personnel, as well as maybe tactical stuff that we already sort of knew those things. I think for Arsenal, all the records you were mentioning earlier, you know, 14 years without a win at Old Trafford, 29 mm. games without a win against the big six away. Mm. Um, I think that's more of a statement victory for you than it is a statement loss for us. Yeah, and, and, and to, to, to back you up on that I think I, that's I said to you after the game all I wanted to watch was the post-match analysis of, of sort of the good things that Arsenal did and like you said when United lose there's just this uproar of it's like all these all, all these old wounds that haven't really been addressed and then they all come up and every single time there's a there's another thing that comes up then all of those things get brought up too and I do think that is more it's just quite telling that every time something goes wrong in in of itself it's just a result and we know those things about united but those things continue to build and look i i, I don't think i don't think it's so easy to get carried away with united you know being a really bad team but then we forget you know in the last couple of weeks they've literally played last 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 year's champions league finalists off the park with a great 2-1 away win how many Teams can go to PSG and win 2-1, sort of very convincingly. Battering Leipzig, who are top of the Bundesliga this weekend, last year's semi-finalists in the Champions League. But then, you know, the league form has been pretty pretty diabolical at Old Trafford especially. And, and in that sense, it's not good enough. But, you know, there is a there is a line to be drawn. Well, how bleak are things? And I don't... I think when, when people discuss Manchester United, it's more of a testament to... The, the long-standing malaise around the club and you know your 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 drop-off post post Ferguson basically all these things get brought up again when something goes wrong and maybe it's about you know everyone says this this is not what Manchester United need to be and it's like well maybe Manchester United needs to be thought of slightly differently now because you know Solskjaer is doing a job and whether he's made huge amounts of progress I think there's definitely been progress, but you can look at the stats and he's got quite similar records to Mourinho and Van Gaal after 55 games. You can make of that what you will. But I just think 
it's not going to change. Like, I don't think Solskjaer is going to make a huge, like, huge strides forwards. It's every time that something goes wrong, it's going to be more of like, well, you know, well, when when's this gonna when's this gonna change? And it's just only a matter of time, I feel, until you know he can't sort of keep this this club above just its head just above the water. For example, if you were to lose in the in the week against. Istanbul. I'm not saying you will, and I know it's hypothetical, but then it's like, well, does the pressure then really ramp itself up? I just think it's, it's slightly unfair of them, to be honest, but I don't know what you make of that. He loses the next couple of games, I can see him being gone by Christmas, which pains me to say, but you know, mm. you lose two, lose two or three games in a row in this business. Um, that's but, all, you know. But isn't that testament as well to just, <laughs> like, I don't think that should be the case. I think Solskjaer, given that he, he, he you know, he qualified for the Champions League last year. Maybe wasn't backed in the way that he would have wanted to have been in the transfer market. You know, reached a couple of semi-finals or three semi-finals last year. He's he's going through this cultural reset, and I don't. Look, I said to you before, I don't think he's the guy who's going to lead you to titles, but I think he's doing a a a, or a good enough job. Like, I, as an Arsenal fan, I want him to stay at United because I'm not really worried about him as a coach. But I think he can definitely get some stuff he can get some some value out of the team that he has but yeah every time that something goes wrong he's just like he he's made a scapegoat for because i think look if you lose against istanbul and then you lose against everton then it's like well then what yeah it's, it's as simple as that i mean you know it's, di- it's difficult to say with Ali sometimes whether you sort of feel like he's doing enough or not. I mean, there's this whole idea that he's reinstated a culture, whatever whatever you take that to mean. That, you know, up to you what reinstating culture is at a club. <laughs> he, he's he's made good signings, frankly, is one thing I think that's actually quite overlooked about him. Mm. Is that, look at our transfer record for the past sort of seven years. It is just reads like a who's who of human garbage. And um, Ole's got in Bruno, probably one of the best you know, players in the past, best mm. players for United, rather, the past sort of five years or so. Um, he's getting the best out of players like Rashford and Martial had their highest scoring seasons despite being injured last year. Mm. Plenty of positives to take from his time at the club. I probably agree with you. I don't think he'll take us to, you know, Champions League glory or uh, anything too close to that. But um, I'd like to see him get us in a position where a, a, a tactical specialist could come in and try to do that. Mm. And I think more than anything, he... Like every time something something goes wrong, it's almost not his fault. Like it's sort of the disparity between like the reality of Manchester United at the moment is they their squad is slightly imbalanced. You know, their coach can can do well at points and won't do well at points. I think everyone can realise his limitations. So the expectations when you sort of align them with what previous expectations of Man United were. I think are really difficult to sort of take into account. It's just like he he has so much pressure to do so well. And I think reassessing where Manchester United are at in general, I think I, I, I'd, I'd want him to oversee this year as a, as a Man United fan, perhaps, unless it gets terrible. But I think that's just more of a testament of how vulnerable and, and sort of fragile the... The, the infrastructure and the and the feel good factor at Man United is it's like it can take one one loss and I think it is determined on results one one thing goes wrong and then it's you know questions second thing goes wrong right well we need to talk about this and then third thing goes wrong and it's like right the, the, you know this guy needs to go but look I think 
you've got enough going forward that I think you still have a decent season. Whether Solskjaer remains or not, I'm not sure. I think, look, I, th- I said this a couple of weeks ago, I think you're going to be quite an inconsistent team this year. You'll have good spells, you'll have bad spells. But look, I think most teams are going to have that this year, probably. Um, so anything anything you, you'd like to close on with, with United before we get on to a bit of Arsenal chatter? Come on now, let, let's talk about Arteta for a bit, the real, real man. <laughs> oh, man of the hour, what a beautiful <laughs> man. But yeah, we touched upon touched upon the significance of this result, having Arsenal having lost two games, 1-0. So our last three games have been 1-0 result. Yeah, and I think that's also a testament to as much as Arsenal fans don't like the fact that we lost two games in a row, 1-0. You know, it shows how closely we are competing in the way that Arsenal are playing. That is not great and... Look, if it had ended nil-nil this week, which it very much could have without that penalty, I think the 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 conversation from an Arsenal perspective is very different. It's like, well, three games we've played, we played quite well, but we've actually, you know, we've got one point from it. So it could be very different, but I think you can see the the tangible improvements of the structure, the the discipline, the the way in which the players are buying into it. You can see the the individual performances of the likes of Thomas Partey and Gabriel, who, you know, as summer signings seem to be really paying off and giving Arsenal something that they've lacked sorely for so long now. But yeah, the confidence moving forward from this, I think, correcting the the last five years of, of you know, being without a, a victory against one of the uh, big six away from home, I think it's a huge relief for the club. I think it's a, it's a big statement, like you said, for Arteta. I mean, you can sort of pair this with the win, the FA Cup final win as a big moment in his, you know, he's coming up to a year now as manager. He's won the FA Cup against Chelsea. He's beaten a couple of, you know, big teams, beaten City, beaten Liverpool a couple of times, beaten United now away from home. So he's doing the big things, which Arsenal have basically lacked for so long, I think, for a long time. Uh, in the last few years of Arsene Wenger's tenure, we were used to brushing away sides, but then really struggling against the big sides. And it's almost been a role reversal of that. The, the the foundations that Arteta's laying are showing that he's instilling this, this non-negotiable tactical discipline. And it's not going to be the most exciting just yet, but the way that we can compete in the big games. And I think this is just huge in terms of the belief that it, it encourages from the players and the fans and just the general culture around the club. Yeah, I mean, what did you make of of Arsenal? And I know it's it's probably this game for you was was perhaps you're focusing on United's flaws and stuff, and in the same way that I was focusing on Arsenal's strengths. But did did anything particularly uh, stand out for you from you know the way Arsenal played? I think if I was an Arsenal fan, well, I'd be more more excited about than anything because we already know <clears throat> we already know Arteta has got has got tactical genius somewhere inside him. You know, we, we know that he can do that kind of thing. We do, we do. Um, we know a lot of things about your squad already, but what I would really like to have seen as an Arsenal fan on the weekend was people like Partey and Gabriel performing. Mm. Big summer signings coming in. Gabriel was, wasn't the man of the match, wasn't he? I mean, it could have, I, I think in the end it was, I mean, it might have been, I mean, the Arsenal official man of the match was Partey. He was giving it, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember seeing somewhere that he 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 would have the highest rating and that kind of thing. So I, mm. that's what I'd be really really happy about as an Arsenal fan. They're actually getting the personnel in now because 
this is the contrast I was drawn between United and Arsenal. Is that I think we've got you know about twice your squad in terms of quality, but potentially you've got a better manager than us. And the fact that you're you're getting personnel in now who are showing they can perform in big games and you know run a midfield, run a run a defensive line, which is something you've really lacked recently. Honestly. Is someone running that defensive line? Well, you're Laurent Koscielny, if you will. Yeah, um, but you know even even that. I mean him. Even with him in, it's just that I have not seen a performance like such a... I mean, just not even looking at the stats or anything like that, or not even like analysing it too much. Like, I know what I saw from from Thomas Partey and and, um, Gabriel at the weekend. And I remember just thinking in the game and I was like, I have not seen something like this from two players like that for such a long time. Feeling that there's someone in this midfield who can win the ball and, and take people on and and match them for strength and, and pace. And if he's going to make a mistake, he can recover and he can progress the ball and he's powerful. And then in the same way that Gabriel at the back, like he'll, he'll so aggressive, but not making stupid challenges, confident, um, feeling so much more secure at the back physically that, you know, those two, Thomas Partey and Gabriel, when you compare it to just... Physic in a physical sense to someone like Xhaka and, and Mustafi or even you know David Louise, there's there's this physical dominance and and profile that I think is so so what Arsenal have been missing. It's such a cliche because everyone says, Oh, where's Arsenal's spine been? Like we don't have that centre back, we don't have that central defensive midfielder, but suddenly it looks like we've actually got those those two players. And so I think now we've seen, even over the last few weeks when there's been to be fair, a bit of criticism ramped up on Arteta and, and are we seeing, you know, tangible progress and, and do we need to see more in an attacking sense? But I think now that these guys have shown that even if we're not firing on all cylinders in an attacking sense, their contribution can lead us to results like this. And I think those two building blocks in place, now we can start thinking about, well, Look, how can we get the most out of Aubameyang, for example, because we do need to do that. There's still issues there, but I think it's so promising to see the the obvious impact of two big signings that, that Arsenal have been crying out for for so long. And then Mohamed Elneny next to him, the, the forgotten... Elneny, the unsung hero, to be honest, getting, getting slightly hidden by all the praise for the new signings. He really did have a game of his life. He really did. I mean, honestly, in, in Arteta's post-match press conference, he was asked about how good Thomas Partey was and then his response was, what about Mo? What about Mo Elneny? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, there, there's a clip going around, I don't know if you remember it, but in the 91st minute where Elneny just pressed Lindelof off the park and it was honestly, it, it was it was symbolic of our performance and, and, the, and the commitment and the discipline and the press and the energy, which is something that, you know, so I was listening earlier today we we ordinarily we'd attribute your performance, Manchester United's performance, to something that Arsenal would put in in a big game like that, just sort of quite lethargic, couple of decent chances, but it's got to be better. And and where the where are the leaders? Where are the where's the physicality? Where's the the balance of the squad? And suddenly the roles were reversed. And I think obviously as an Arsenal fan, that that was nice to that was nice to see. But we've discussed the game now. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put it to you, and we're gonna we'll do a little role reversal. What are the takeaway? The big takeaways from the game. So you're gonna do Arsenal's, and I'm gonna do United's. So do you wanna do you wanna put, try and put your finger on what are, what's the the main thing that Arsenal can take away from this game, perhaps? 
Because so, I, I, I don't think, you know, it's an important game in terms of the performance and the result and the reaction that we've seen from both clubs. I think, obviously, for Arsenal, it's, it's massive in terms of the belief and the confidence and putting to bed all these records. And then for United, it's like, well, how can it be so right and then go so wrong? So, could, you know, could this result go some way to defining either sides? I mean, you said basically that we, maybe we shouldn't look too far into it, but what's the what's the takeaway for for Arsenal? No, it's, it's, it's like I said earlier, I think this is slightly more of a defining victory for you guys and could go and sort of set the tone a bit for your season with new, like I say, new players coming in, showing their worth. They're now going to get, you know, really uh, pin down their starting places and that could you could sort of see a bit of a spine of your team start to grow again mm. and you could really start to kick on this season. I mean, like I say, Arsenal won two pieces of silverware already with Arsenal. Um, this season <clears throat> looks like he really should be kicking on and uh, and trying to do do really well with this team and that, that kind of game where you're beating a big six side, making us look really lacklustre and bored. The players look like they were committed to playing for Arteta. They really sort of wanted to, they believed in the system and they wanted to run for it and they wanted to mm. win the game, that kind of thing. I think those sort of the main, main takeaways, the mentality of the win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow, let me let me give a, give United a go. I've, it's so difficult because I feel like this United conversation has been going on for so long. You know, when something goes wrong, it's like it's the same issues. What's the biggest takeaway for United? I, I do think it's just about... I mean, it's a question of consistency more than anything. It's like, well, how consistent can can United be under Solskjaer and, and how consistent do you need to be really like to, to, to get something from this season? I just think, you know, I said to you after the game, however, you know, it was a close game in the end and Arsenal, the win was was by a, by a fine margin and, and we played well and deserved it. But I think from United's standpoint, it's just, you know, performance-wise, more than anything, forget about the result. It's just got to be better. And I know that's such a general thing to say, but, you know, in so many of United's games this year, we think it's just got to be better for whatever reason. And there's so many reasons, both on the pitch and off the pitch, that you can you can attribute to that. But that's my takeaway. It's got to be better, Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> takeaway, win the next game. Win the next game. And look. No, I mean, you're right. It, it sort of is, is as simple as that because I think in a lot of ways, I've said this to you already, I don't think we really deserve to lose it in a lot of ways. I think you sort of deserve to win it. I think as a defensive unit playing for United, I'd be really frustrated to lose that 1-0 because we haven't really given you a an out-and-out, you know, in the six-yard box, got a score chance. Pogba's mm. gives away, giving away a penalty. I think as the back four, you sort of sat there after the game thinking, yes, okay, they outplayed us in a lot of ways, mm. but why have, why have we come away from that without at least a point? And um, mm. and I think you're right. You sort of make your own luck in these kinds of games. You just need to play a bit better. just need to switch on a bit, push on a bit. Yeah, and of course, you, you can say that Solskjaer got his set up wrong, or tactics wrong. But at the same time, it's like, well, it's worked against Leipzig. Maybe you do need to be a bit smarter in the sense like Arsenal, you know what to expect from Arteta. He's going to like, you know, set up based upon what he thinks you're going to do perhaps in a game like this. So maybe Solskjaer needs to be a step ahead of the game. And look, he, but at the same time, it's like he's just seen United win 5 0 at Old Trafford. Surely you want to like, Look, I'm just going to go for it. I trust in my players and their abilities. Like I want, well, I want us to play our own game in the way that we did on Thursday. I mean, last week. So, 
look, it, it, it's a difficult one because I think it's not an easy job Solskjaer has on his hands. But look, as long as he keeps having the occasional flashes of, of brilliance and, and then, for example, I, I love watching United beat PSG. It's great. But then seeing them, you know, lose to Arsenal and then lose to Crystal Palace and, you know, it's great for an Arsenal fan. Great. <laughs> just, just great, really. I'm not worried. Just to finish off, so United have Everton at the weekend and you've got Istanbul tomorrow night in the Champions League. Look, it's just what I'm saying. It just shows how how much pressure is on Solskjaer and, and how much pressure being at Manchester United exerts on a manager because... Like in a way, these two are must-win games now. Like you have to win, given the, or maybe they're not. Maybe it's unfair to say that, but in so many ways, you could say that. I think if you if you hypothesize and you say if you lose to Istanbul or you draw in a in a rubbish sort of performance, and then Everton sort of comprehensively beat you, I know it's hypothetical and it's sort of, but what what then would happen. So I think these two games are big for you in terms of, of bouncing back from a loss um, and showing that you can have this consistency because I think it's been way too way too up and down so far this season. Yeah, I mean, every game is sort of a, a must-win for Ole, which is the sort of the annoying thing we're talking about with United. It just is, is that way. But um, I think people will do well to remember that we've had and are in the middle of a pretty sort of, a pretty tough run of games. We've played... Arsenal, Chelsea, PSG, Leipzig, mm. um, you know, none of those were guaranteed wins at any point. We've sort yeah. of almost done it the, one, the wrong way round in winning all our Champions League games really well and then not performing in the Prem. Mm. Uh, I think if we can go to Istanbul twice now and take six points, make it 12 out of four in the Champions League, I think that'd be really good to see. Mm. I think that's very much within the realm's possibility. I think we want to take some points for Everton and start kicking on in the league. Like I say, we've played three of the big the big six so far this season, Spurs as well. So I don't I think to look at our points total and be like, oh, it's not good enough so far, I think is a little bit uh, a little bit overly simplistic. We need to start yeah. winning games. We need to start winning them soon. But you know, I like su- I said, I think I suppose that, you know, I know it's still early days. I think you've only played six games or something like that. I think you've still got a game in hand or something. Game in hand as well. Exactly. So you've you know, you've lost to uh, Palace, which was pretty bad. You played three of the big six, but you've lost two, two at home and drawn to Chelsea. All of them have been at home. No, no, it was away at Chelsea. But look, you haven't done very well against the big sides, which is sort of what you tended to do a bit better at last year. And you struggled against the, I mean, I know you beat Newcastle, but you just managed to scrape past Brighton and lost to Crystal Palace so when you actually dissect those results it's like well you're not playing that well against the smaller teams in the Premier League and you're not competing against the bigger teams well enough and maybe it's still early days but you know in that sense it's quite concerning and I know it's still early days but it's like well what exactly are you offering I suppose the the one thing you go to as well really impressive performances in the Champions League so look, maybe that's going to be that's going to be your out this year. Um, but yeah, final words on on United. I'm going to ask you a question, put you on the spot. Where are United finishing in the league in relation to Arsenal and also position? And are you going to win anything this year? Do you think? That's what I would say. I'd love I'd love to see Ole win a win a trophy. And I think that would do it well of good as well, obviously for his job security and that kind of thing, as well as the club morale and the kind of you know the where we'd be going after that because 
it's all very well sort of challenging things, looking good, you know, putting pressure on the top four, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I think winning a trophy would be really important in at least the next sort of two years for United. Where are we going to finish this season? I mean, it's just always so impossible to say. Is it Are we going to get a Champions League place or not? I mean, you have to. I really, 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 I really thought we could. When I looked at us at the start of the season, I really thought we looked like one of the better teams out of the sort of uh, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs. At this point, if I was being absolutely realistic, I'd have to say it looks like, you know, Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea are the, the main contenders I mean, for that position. I mean, yeah, well, look, we're going to get on to a couple of the other Premier League results, but it's it's worth pointing out that Spurs have looked all right. You know, they've got Kane and Son, they've been winning games. Uh, Chelsea have now put together a couple of impressive performances and results. Arsenal have just beaten United. Who knows how big that could be? So, I mean, things can change so quickly in football, but in terms of the Premier League and, and top four ambitions, which I think has to be in thinking of Solskjaer and United, because otherwise I don't think he, he, he needs to stay in the job, then it's quite concerning, I think, for United at the moment. Anyway, let, let, let's leave that there. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll come back to it just before we, we finish up. But let's let's have a quick gander over the rest of the Premier League's uh, results that are worth discussing this weekend. I mean, we were to we were discussing yesterday briefly how impressive Leicester are at the moment. You know, they beat they beat Leeds four um, one, and Jamie Vardy's come back from injuries. Apparently, is brilliant yesterday. But then we started thinking it was like so. There's no Soyuncu, Soyuncu, there's no Johnny Evans, no Ricardo Pereira, no Wilfred and Didi. Madison comes off the bench. He's still not fit. He was a massive player for them last year. They've lost Chilwell. No Timothy Castagna. I mean, and they're they're, they're sweeping aside Leeds four one. Who Leeds look really good this season. Leeds have have, have pretty much matched City and, and Liverpool. They beat Arsenal one 0 last week. They smashed City 5-2 away from home. I think we sort of forget how good Leicester were last year because they were so good for so long. They were literally second to Liverpool for a long time. Yeah, I mean, they, they fell away at the sort of the end of last season. That was which I think injuries, really. Makes you sort of forget how, how dominant they were early on. I mean, they were, they were sort of not just top four, but like they were sort of top two contenders almost for a while. And yeah, I mean, here they go again without any of their sort of starting six defenders or something. Absolutely dismantling teams. I think you're right because of teams like what teams like Villa and Everton have done this season. Everyone's sort of you know focusing on them. Everyone's mm. raving about DCL and Ollie Watkins and uh, all this kind of madness. People tend to forget the best striker in the league is still Jamie Vardy. Yeah, I mean he he's just so dangerous, isn't he? And I think Brendan Rodgers is clearly doing a great job there. I mean, I don't really like him as a as a manager from what I see of him. I find him a bit annoying, but he's doing such a brilliant job given the players that he's got out and the way that they're, they've been playing. I think it's great. And look, everyone loves Leicester after winning the title back in 2016. Um, but look, I mean, it's, it seems to be quite open this year, uh, as it was last year that, you know, Leeds and, not sorry, not Leeds, Leicester and Wolves were well in the conversation of, of top six, you know, fighting that, that, that pre-conceived top six, that's just how it's going to finish. And I think, honestly, Leicester would do would do well to to keep going because I think, honestly, it's, they're, they're there for the taking. They've shown that they can beat, beat, uh, less, uh, beat City. They've got Liverpool in a couple of weeks, I think. That 
it's not a game that Liverpool will be looking forward to. I mean, James Bond <laughs> is just so dangerous. And they've got all their huge defenders to come back. We forget how good P- Ricardo Pereira was last year. Uh, so Chu and Evans and Didi, probably arguably one of the best central midfielders. Didi was one of the most important players that started last year. Exactly. And like Madison as well, just starting to come back. So like they are looking, you know, when they've got all their players coming back, it looks pretty promising for them. But yeah, City and Liverpool also won, you know, quite narrow margins. City beat Sheffield United 1-0. I mean, it was quite a dominant performance, to be fair. Liverpool scraped a 2-1 victory. Diogo Jota getting the winner yet again. I mean, they're playing to each other on Sunday. So who do you reckon yeah. is looking better at the moment? Who do you expect to, to win, if anyone, on Sunday? Good question. I mean, Jota had a goal disallowed as well. And uh, as for who wins on the weekend, difficult to say. With City look like they've got a pretty fresh attack right now with sort of Ferran finding his feet and uh, Kevin obviously just coming back from injury. And Liverpool's defence obviously looking pretty shaky with uh, just about every single centre-back they've got out for injury. So, it's really difficult to call. I think I'd like to see City give give them a, a good challenge, actually. Even though Liverpool, uh, obviously, like the slightly more dominant side at the moment. I yeah, think. I agree. I also think City's back four at the moment are starting to look a bit more set in stone. I mean, you know, they've struggled so much over the last year with consistency and having a defensive unit like Liverpool's, but it looks as if they might have stumbled across one with... I mean, stumbled across one. That sounds like they've just <laughs> stumbled, into stumbled across a chest full of two hundred million pounds. Well, not spent like sixty million on <laughs> on seven individual defenders or something like that. But you know, with Cancelo at left back, Walker, who's been great recently, and then the the defensive partnership at centre back of of Laporte and Ruben Diaz, it looks pretty solid. And then De Bruyne coming back in, Rodri, who I've been quite impressed with recently, Bernardo Silva looking a bit better, and then you know, I know they're missing Aguero and. And Gabriel Jesus, but you've still got Sterling and and Foden's look great, and Ferran Torres, as you say, Mara's still in there. So, look, I think this is a good opportunity, perhaps for for City to, you know, show that they are they're very much in the conversation, and that Liverpool aren't just going to run away with it this year. Which I think I don't think they will do. I think they're going to drop a few more points, like City also. But yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a, a bit of a mouth watering clash that one, I think, and. You know, in terms of laying down a marker as well for the rest of the season, I think could be could be pretty big. Um, we touched upon Villa, Danny Ings at it again. With a, I don't know if you saw his goal, but an absolute peach. Yeah, I haven't actually watched the the Southampton Villa. Mate, it gets played out to the left hand side. Danny Ings sort of takes it in on his right foot, twenty five yards out, touch inside, and then just absolutely boom, top right hand corner past the despairing Martinez and goal. We saw a double, double... Oh, mate, you've actually got to watch these highlights. James Ward-Prowse, two free kicks. Unbelievable. Oh, don't tell me. <laughs> Jack Grealish looked pretty good as well. So all these these likeable England lads. Southampton are, are starting to hit yeah, form. Southampton are one to watch. You had a crap start to the season. They've now taken out Villa and Everton in consecutive game weeks. Drawn against Chelsea also. Scoring goals. Ings looking great. I mean, him... The English strikers just holding a four at the moment. Like Kane... Vardy, Ings, Calvert-Lewin. I mean, Watkins. they're just Watkins, maybe soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, and Villa have now conceded seven in their last two, having you know been the best team defensively up until that point. Now that 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 position goes, in my fantasy. That, that position goes to Arsenal with the best defensive record. <laughs> I'll have you, everyone know. And then yeah, Gareth Bale scored his scored his first goal back for Spurs and um, the winner uh, against Brighton. 
Chelsea are starting to come together in an attacking sense. They won 3 0 against Burnley, Werner scoring, ZX scoring. In the week, they won 4 0. I think they've got like something like four, four or five clean sheets in a row now with Mendy in goal, Chilwell starting, Thiago Silva. So look, they look like they're starting to take shape a bit. So yeah, any, any thoughts on, on any of those games, the Villa, uh, Spurs, or Chelsea games? Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of good sort of best of the rest teams this season. It looks like, doesn't it? Like it's difficult to sort of pick your your choice of who's going to contest in that top half of the table really well. Because Villa started well, Everton started well. Now Southampton are really kicking on, playing really well. Leeds have obviously looked really good, but then suffer at the hands of mighty Leicester. You've got Leicester and Wolves, who sort of should obviously be up there at this point. It is a testament to the strength of the Premier League, isn't it? Like, I think. Definitely in this in this weird COVID nineteen, no fans and and lack of preseason and you know finishing the season so soon, like the, the gap between this season and last season has been so minimal. So I think that definitely plays into how loads of people were conceding loads of goals and it's just been a bit crazy. But I do think all of these teams have been competing. It's it's so tight, and I also think that's maybe something to read into, you know. For example, United playing a bit better in, in Europe, albeit against a very good sides like Leipzig and PSG. Maybe in the Premier League, it's just a lot harder at the moment. You sort of have that like natural hangover from last year. It's been there's been no break, and I guess maybe maybe Europe's a bit of a, a breath of fresh air for for teams like United, and they come back to the Premier League, and it's just like oh my god, look, the intensity and the, the the sort of need for defensive like absolute concentration otherwise you can concede seven like Liverpool did or something like that so I don't know but look the Premier League is looking so hotly contested at the moment it is just great to see serious cauldron of just all the good stuff well look so you've now got back to United um, and we'll we'll wrap up with a, a final final couple of thoughts on Manchester United and Arsenal so you've got now your next few games read Istanbul on Wednesday then you've got Everton on Saturday then it's the international break and then you've got Istanbul again I think so look you could wrap up the get the group nice and easy and look uh, it's all about results and if you beat Istanbul and Everton then it's like well things are looking a bit rosier and then on the flip side like I said before God forbid a defeat against Istanbul a really poor performance and then you know like I've been trying to get across this like intense pressure dynamic where one thing goes wrong and then all the things that have gone wrong over the last like 10 years at United start creeping up on on for for like national debate and, and Solskjaer's just sitting at the wheel just being like he can't really do anything about it because it's just too much for one man to deal with like 10 years of 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 such intense pressure but yeah what, what are you making of the next week for, for United? It's a really important one um, results are what we need I'd for some reason, I'd almost prefer to see us win both of those Istanbul games and top our Champions League group and maybe even lose the Everton one if that's the price I had to pay. I know that probably sounds like a really stupid thing to say and probably isn't what you should want, but I feel like at this point, given how badly we're doing in the league, if we can just sort of show that we can do it in the Champions League, top our group, go out of there on a high, that'd just be a nice little counterbalance to to our league form, which, I mean, isn't going to just magically turn around or will it? I'd say, I mean... On that, I mean, I, I completely see where you're coming from. I think it would be great for you to wrap up the, the the Champions League group nice and easy and you should beat Istanbul both times around easy. I think your game against Everton on Saturday is is massive for you, given that, you know, Everton have set the pace quite quite well. They've also lost their last two games, I'm pretty sure. They've got injuries. 
uh, suspensions, all sorts. I think it's actually if 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 Everton were to beat United, I think that that result would would really hit home, especially after drawing against Chelsea, losing to Arsenal, and then Everton, the sort of guys who are trying to to break into the top six or whatever. It's interesting we haven't even talked about Everton. We're talking about Wolves and Leicester as the guys who should be it's challenging. True. But I think big pressure for for the Everton game on on Saturday. I think that really will be the priority for for Solskjaer. And it should be. Flipping it back to Arsenal, we've got, funnily enough, Solskjaer's old team, I think, of Mold, the Norwegian team. Um, so we got them on Thursday, very exciting. And then we've got Aston Villa on, on Sunday for £14.95, which should be fun. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Rosen will cover that for me, I'm, I'm sure. And then, yeah, as I say, you know, I have Everton, and we've discussed what you might want to see from that. I mean, I want to see against Villa. Now that we're back at home, I want to see another win, build some momentum. It would be a shame to to win 1-0 at United and then go back to the Emirates and, and struggle. But look, Villa, back. Villa are a dangerous side. Uh, they show they'll concede goals, but they've got they've got Jack Grealish and, and firepower and they're, they're, they're a decent, decent team and can keep a clean sheet or at least look like that's the great thing about football at the moment. I, look, there's an international break coming up, which is just so boring. But I think maybe with the intensity of what's going on at the moment, maybe we need some 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 breathing space because there's just so much football to get stuck into. Premier League, talking points, that's got its own narrative. And then there's Champions League, Europa League, less so. But... There's so much to consume, and then we haven't even touched upon fantasy football this week. But we'll, maybe we'll do that another time because I know you and I uh, definitely like to uh, address the fantasy, <laughs> the fantasy football side of things. But look, we're going to leave it there for today. Uh, thank you very much for for coming onto the podcast. It's been a pleasure, and I'm sure you will return sooner rather than later, both to talk about fantasy football, but also at some point to reassess Manchester United's fortunes, I am sure. Look, I, I will advertise this for the six o'clock uh, broadcast, but it's always available on my mixed cloud and I will will broadcast that. So look, there's it's, it's going to be there so you don't have to listen in live. Uh, but do let us know if you're enjoying the podcast. Feedback is more than welcome. Next weekend in the international break, I mean, we'll have more Premier League content to discuss and perhaps some fancy football chats for you, if you're lucky. But yeah, you can find all the episodes of the podcast on Mixcloud and Fresh Air Radio website on my Twitter too. Thank you very much for Alfie joining us today. Thank you for listening. Take care. And until next time, goodbye.